This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, I'm really excited because I'm going to have America's pet advocate, Dr. Ernie Ward, and we're going to be talking about some financial tips of what you can do to keep your pet healthy while watching your wallet too. So we'll find out some tips right after these messages. I love cleaning the litter box, said no one ever. Luckily, there's World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that promises less mess with less litter. Only World's Best Cat Litter uses the concentrated power of corn to quickly trap odors in tight clumps. And quick clumping means you never have to chisel or scrape the box. Less cleanup with less wasted litter? That's a litter bit amazing. Save $2 on World's Best Cat Litter. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All right, we're back with Dr. Ernie Ward, who's a practicing veterinarian, author, and he is super active in preventative care medicine. Dr. Ernie Ward, I am so excited to do this podcast with you today. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, wow. I am so thrilled to be here. What a great, great show. Thank you so much. So just so our audience knows who you are, I know you're all over the internet, you're all over YouTube. Do you mind just giving us a little bit of background about what you do, who you are, and directing people to your website also? Yeah, you bet, Justine. And, you know, I've been a practicing veterinarian now for 25 years. And so I I guess I'm starting to learn the craft a little bit. But I've really focused my efforts uh, as a professional around preventing disease. I mean, certainly as you, I was trained to recognize, identify diseases and treat them. But I became very impassioned early in my career with the the step behind that, which is how can we avoid these illnesses, which leads us to today's discussion around saving money and cost, because a lot of it has to do with preventing some of these conditions in the first place. So it's a real thrill to talk to your audience today, because obviously the ER is where many of these conditions wind up, but let's see if we can't dial it back and avoid going there to begin with. I'm really looking forward to it because as you know, emergency medicine is so expensive. And there are so many times when I see pet owners bringing in their dogs or their cats into the ER when a lot of it could have been prevented to begin with. So they could have saved three to $5,000. And so what we're going to do today is talk about a couple of hints. So what is your first tip for what a pet owner can do if they have financial limitations when it comes to owning a pet? Well, first of all, I'd like to jump in on what you said, because I think the first and most important tip is early recognition. Too often we wait until it's just 
too late. And so now it's 2 a.m. and you're distressed and your cat is just limping or, or listless. Your dog is vomiting nonstop. And so you're forced now to go to an emergency clinic, whereas you mentioned it's going to cost more than your regular vet. So the first thing I would advise every pet owner, if they're trying to watch their budget, pinch some pennies, is take care of things early. If your cat begins to show signs of not eating or drinking excessive water or having uh, you know urination outside of the litter box, do something then. Don't wait and hope it goes away because most of the time, as you know, Justine, they don't. They escalate into something more serious. If your dog is limping, go ahead and take it to your vet immediately. I, I think that's really the most important thing you can do as far as saving money on your pet's bills because, Justine, you and I know it's much easier and cheaper to treat something at the beginning of a process or disease or illness as opposed to when it's full, you know, fulminant. Absolutely. And that's why I actually think the emergency room or the ER vet is so busy on Sundays because a lot of pet owners are like, eh, it's not too bad, but I can't get in until Monday. So they wait Friday night, Saturday, and now it's catastrophic and a real emergency on Sunday. So like Ernie said, when in doubt, get to your veterinarian as soon as possible. You bring up a good point. Cats, if they drink a lot, or they urinate a lot, they oftentimes have underlying disease like diabetes or even things like kidney failure. And so I always tell people, even something as simple as noticing that the clumps in the litter box are getting bigger and bigger, I always say, if they're bigger than your fist, it's time to book a preventative medicine appointment with your veterinarian instead of having to go into the emergency room. Absolutely. And, and I guess my second tip would be along that sort of prevention. And this is preventing you to have a catastrophic payout or cost. And that is pet insurance. You know, I've long been a, an advocate of pet insurance. You know, currently today, we know that only a couple of million people have pet insurance. So it's a small amount. But the reality is we can do better. And the reason I like insurance is because of those catastrophic illnesses. I mean, let's face it, the number one and number two reasons that people use pet insurance in the U.S. right now are GI disease, vomiting and diarrhea. And you and I know that means ER visits, expensive diagnostic testing and long-term treatments. And then of course, cancer. And cancer is something that's near and dear to my heart because as a general practitioner, many of the pet owners that I deal with on a daily basis actually can't afford chemotherapy or surgery or radiation. So pet insurance can allow them to pursue treatments that otherwise economically they wouldn't be able to pursue. So I would encourage you to start to look at the pet insurance companies. You know, certainly we all have our favorites and the ones that we've had the most experience with, but really look for that company that's in your area because these do vary by state. And I would encourage you strongly to get your pet insured because Justine, we have got amazing technology today to treat so many conditions that were unimaginable 25 years ago. And yet it comes at a cost. And the worst news that you have to share with a pet owner is we can fix it, but it's going to cost $10,000. And then that owner's like, I don't have $10,000. If you had insurance, you don't even have to have that conversation. So you bring up a great point because when my older pit bull was approaching about 10 years old, I was actually weighing, should I get pet insurance? And as a veterinarian and as a veterinary specialist, I didn't do it because I was like, eh, you know, I can do things myself in the clinic where it'll save me money. But it ended up burning me in the end. I ended up spending $13,000 on stereotactic radiation therapy for his brain tumor, which would have been covered by insurance. So you know, insurance is really confusing to pet owners. And I think that's one of the reasons why in America, we see really less than 10%. And some people say it's closer to one to 2% of pet owners actually having insurance. 
And that's totally different from Canada or the UK where, you know, 40% of pet owners have insurance. So do you mind just going through a couple of tips of what pet owners need to do to find the best pet insurance and what they need to know about the logistics of it? Yeah. And as you mentioned, Justine, it can be confusing uh, for pet owners and even overwhelming for veterinarians. And, and so some of the things I look for in these different policies, and remember, you can elect different tiers of coverage and so forth. You can have some pet insurance products that actually cover vaccines, although I don't typically recommend that because I think you're probably paying a premium for that. But, you know, so you can look at a wide variety of choices. But what I'm looking for is, A, what conditions are actually covered? And you've got to kind of do a little bit of deep digging around that policy because they will use some fine legalese to not pay for something. So you want to see what clearly is paid for. And let's say you have a Labrador. And you want to make sure that are they going to cover osteoarthritis, a hip replacement or cruciate surgery? Because sometimes, you know, there can be pre-existing conditions, which, again, is so important. Get your pet insured earlier, because once that diagnosis has been made, if, if your dog has been diagnosed with hip arthritis, you're not going to be covered in the future. And that's only fair. So I understand that. But make sure that they are going to cover it. Some of the products, again, some of the pet insurance companies are amazing. They cover all types of things like acupuncture and, you know, holistic medicine and even some nutritional therapies and others are like, nope, we just are going to cover the surgery and the medicine. So again, really dig down deep. Second thing is look at for your breed, what are the exclusions? And sadly, most of the companies out there have certain exclusions for certain breeds. And you can kind of understand this. If you have a bulldog, there may be some upper airway conditions that maybe they're reticent to pay out, or maybe they have limitations on how much they will pay to cover that. So really, again, getting back and understanding clearly. And then finally, you know, what's the customer service like? You know, I mean, if, if you're doing this all online and you can't get somebody on a telephone, I can tell you that's probably problematic for me because as a veterinarian, many times we are in the middle of this shuttle back and forth and we have to call somebody to say, hey, is this covered? If so, how do we get it covered? And I need to talk to somebody. And I have been, I will say, Justine, disappointed in the past few years where it's all an online exchange and that can really take a lot of time and effort. And you really, I found that I don't get the answers I want. It's also really frustrating because it sounds like pet owners have to do a lot of their own digging and investigation to find out what's the best fit for them. And I actually agree with you. I don't think the vaccines necessarily add a huge bulk of the cost of pet ownership. Again, it's your pet owner responsibility to make sure your pet is healthy, vaccinated, has good shelters, on good nutrition, and gets appropriate exercise. But I love it from the emergency viewpoint for catastrophic emergencies. And that's because a lot of pet owners can't afford five, $10,000 for a emergency life-saving surgery. I think the other important thing to be aware of is pet insurance is different than human insurance in that pet owners are still financially responsible for the bill up front. In other words, it's usually a third party. They have to pay up front and seek reimbursement later. And that's why it's so important that you have good customer service, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the model is kind of patterned after dental insurance in the U.S. So you pay up front and then you submit a claim. And of course, that you know there are different offerings as far as how quickly you reimburse. So all that should factor into your decision-making process. But I encourage you to look into it a little further than just the first 
website search that you find. You know, there are a couple of websites, uh, petinsurancereviews.com, kind of a neutral third party. So you can dig around there and find out some things. But talk to your veterinarian because, you know, I find while veterinarians, we can't necessarily recommend a specific brand, you know, due to some legal issues in most states, but we can tell you the products that we have experience with and what our experiences have been like. So don't hesitate to talk to your veterinary professional. Great information from Dr. Ernie Ward. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with Dr. Ward right after these messages. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Everything we tried failed except the Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Super Mega Fish Oil. Get the third bottle free. Packed with omega-3, DHA, and EPA fatty acids. Super Mega is great for your dog's immune system, healthy skin, and soft, shiny fur. Dogs love it. Try Super Omega Fish Oil. Buy two. Get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet Welcome back to ER Vet. Really excited to have Dr. Ernie Ward on today. And what we're talking about is how to save money with your pet. And so what we've talked about so far includes things like getting pet insurance and talking to your veterinarian about that. Dr. Ward, what other tips do you have? Well, it has to be around the food bowl because if we really want to prevent disease, we're going to have to carefully evaluate what we feed our pet, how much we feed our pet, and what their current weight is. Uh, As you know, Justine, I founded the Association for Pet Obesity Prevention, you know, what, nearly 15 years ago now. And it was, I set out with the sole purpose of raising awareness of the dangers of pet obesity. And so when I look at all of the problems that we see in our practice day to day and what we could do to prevent it, it really goes right back to the food bowl. And obesity leads to so many conditions. I mean, you see them in the ER. I see them in daily practice. But whether it's things like, you know, degenerative joint disease and crippling arthritis, type 2 diabetes, kidney failure, many forms of cancer. I mean, this list continues to grow. So if you want to prevent disease and save money, I'm going to say keep your pet at a lean weight. This probably applies to human medicine too, right? <laughs> it, it is. I mean, you know, we know that, that we are seeing just incredible amounts of money being spent on the diseases that are related to are secondarily caused by obesity. And so this is a huge issue for the human healthcare system, but more importantly, it's also affecting our pets. And so when I'm talking to pet owners, you know, I want to say, okay, what can we do to keep them healthy? Well, some simple stuff, right? We make sure they're vaccinated against the diseases that are prevalent in our area. Pretty easy. Every three years or so, you're going to take a a small, you know, little group of vaccines and that's what your pet should get. The second thing is what food are we feeding? Because the nutrient profile, the ingredients, you know, that also has significant impact on your pet's long-term health. So just like you should be eating a healthy diet, you should be feeding this to your pet as well. 
well. And then finally, along that same line is keeping them at a lean, healthy weight because obesity, you know, it robs them of studies show, Justine, you've seen these two major studies of lifetime in dogs, you know, two years of life on average if your pet is a little overweight. But more importantly, it's about quality of life. And so even though we're talking about preventing disease and ways to save money, ultimately at the end of the day, Justine and I are committed to improving the quality of life for your pet. And so that's where obesity really hits home for me because it so adversely affects quality of life. A good friend of mine, Dr. Alex German in the UK, has really spent the last decade studying just this issue, whether or not obesity adversely impacts or negatively affects quality of life in dogs. And the, the research is very, very clear. The evidence points to, yes, and it's significant. I mean, these dogs and cats have lower vitality scores. They have lower mobility. That means they can't get around on their own. And in general, the owners report they're not as happy or having a quality of life. I agree with you. You know, ultimately, our goal as pet owners and veterinary professionals is to help preserve quality of life. And that is so important. I hate having to euthanize a dog in the emergency room just because they can't get up when they're 10, 11, or 12. And that's because of severe arthritis. And it's worsened by that obesity. Again, that study that Purina did, that was a long-term study that Dr. Ward was referencing, basically showed dogs when they were fed less than 25% of certain amount of resting energy requirement, and they had a good body condition score, they actually lived on average 1.4 years longer. And who doesn't want to live with their dog for a longer period of time? I think with cat owners, you know, a lot of people actually think, ah, my cat's indoor, I don't care if he gets fat. I always tell people, Obesity contributes to that diabetes. And unless you're committed to giving your cat twice a day insulin, and that insulin is about $100 to $200 a bottle a month, it becomes a very, very expensive disease. And it's bad for your pet. So again, when in doubt, great tip, help keep your pet lean and talk to your veterinarian about how much to feed. That's one of the biggest mistakes I see, right? Yeah. And Justine, back to diabetes in cats. Remember, that is 100% caused by obesity. I mean, your cat's not born with diabetes. There's no gene for diabetes. It's caused by excess caloric intake leading to excessive adipose or fat tissue formation, which then causes a whole cascade of problems leading to diabetes. And it is costly. And so when people are saying, gosh, you know, I want to save money or I cost so much to take my animal to the vet. It's like, wait a second, let's talk about what you're you're referring to because if you're talking about treating type two diabetes, that's a condition that you caused. I think the biggest, hardest thing for pet owners and veterinarians, I can attest to this, is that we often think that we show our love by feeding our pet more, right? <laughs> right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, food is love, but you know, you also have to be a little bit thoughtful about what you are feeding. So instead of giving them high calorie sugary treats, like most of those dog treats that are out there on the market, why not substitute crunchy vegetables for kitty cats? If you want to share something, what about flakes of salmon or tuna? I mean, there's so many healthy choices that in this day and age, I, I really, I'm sorry, I just can't excuse pet owners anymore for some of these, you know, habits because they're just being fooled by clever marketing. I mean, you know, it's, it's a complex issue, but just take a common sense approach to it and say, you know, really, if I I ate candy bars all day long. If I had three or four or five candy bars a day, would my weight be an issue? And of course it would be. So it's the same thing with dog treats. And you know, now we're seeing all these appetizers and different products for cats. So just be wise with that. You know, but but again, when we're talking about saving money, remember that we are, are focusing, Justine and I are focusing on preventable diseases. And so for us, diabetes, we know we can avoid that. 
All right, great information from Dr. Ernie Ward. So, so far we learned, ideally you wanna get pet insurance before your pet is sick. So talk to a veterinarian about that and do your research. The second thing is keep your pet lean. Make sure they don't become overweight or obese because it's more costly and it shortens their lifespan. Dr. Ward, what are a couple other tips that you have? Well, let's face it. Also, the pet you choose can influence how much you're gonna spend. There are certain breeds that are notorious for having all sorts of health problems. And I mean, again, you can almost take your pick, but let's face it, some of these dogs that we love, like the pugs and the Frenchies, they're going to have upper airway and skin fold problems that's going to require surgery most most of the time. If you have a Labrador Retriever, you're probably going to be combating at least some form of osteoarthritis during its life. I mean, you know, King Charles Cavalier, I mean, you're going to have heart disease. I mean, Justine, we could go on and on with the list, but when you're selecting that pet, make sure you understand what diseases it's at most risk for developing so you know that's that's part of it i i'm still kind of baffled sometimes when you know i have uh, these little dogs that come in and suddenly the owner's like oh i had no idea he would have skin problems and you know you're going well it's a yorkie well it's a maltese well you know it's a, a west highland white of course they're notorious for having these problems so when you're looking at budgets you know, you may want to select certain breeds. And, you know, we kind of used to always say, well, that's why mutts or mixed breeds are better. We now know from some of the latest scientific evidence that maybe that's not always true, but you're probably better off with a mixed breed dog for some of these major problems. But in reality, you want to look at the breed makeup and start to determine, you know, what the risks are and is that something you're willing to risk. Great information. And, you know, even the AKC has fantastic pros and cons of each breed. So yeah, always yeah. research that breed first. My little hint is look at the breeds of dogs that veterinarians have. <laughs> because <laughs> vets will have breeds of dogs that ideally don't have medical problems. So just be aware. Always do your research. You know, one thing I would love to see implemented in veterinary medicine that human medicine does so much better than us is when I had my child. I didn't realize you could actually interview your pediatrician before you actually had your first appointment and it was covered by insurance. They didn't charge anything for it. It was a 15, 20 minute appointment that the pediatrician would schedule to make sure that that pediatrician was a good fit. And oftentimes I wish we offered that in veterinary medicine because you want to find a veterinarian that you can work with, that you can talk to about questions like this to help make sure that you're taking care of your pet. And veterinarians want a really compliant, good pet owner whose priority is making sure that their patient is healthy. Right. But along those same lines, your veterinarian also isn't a bank or a lending institution. So sometimes I think that's where some of the lines get blurred because pet owners, now they are in a medical crisis. They didn't get pet insurance. They weren't prepared. And suddenly now they're facing this bill. Uh, and it's unfair, quite frankly, to ask your veterinarian to say, well, can I make payments? Because often they're pretty tight budgets, you know, within that hospital. I mean, veterinary clinics are notorious for not being high profit. I mean, the majority of vet clinics, the profitability is around 10%. I mean, even less in many instances. So, you know, don't think your vet can just float your bill. And and I know that's one, an, an area that the pet owners get frustrated. They go, you know, why won't you let me make, make payments? And it may just be that your vet doesn't have the resources to do that because their staff can't delay their payments. The light bill still has to get paid on time, the mortgage and so forth. So, you know, Justine, I I think that's one of those areas that we don't like to talk about often. But if you're a pet owner listening today, just be aware it may not be fair for you to ask your vet for credit. 
I agree. You probably are aware there was one video that went really viral about, you yeah. know, a veterinarian who was ranting about the cost of emergency medicine. And I will say it is really expensive in the ER because we have to staff the front desk, the back ICU, the emergency room, veterinary technicians, multiple doctors to be on 24 hours a day. And so that cost of running a 24 hour facility or even any veterinary facility is expensive because we need x-ray, we need in-house blood analysis, we need certain diagnostic tests, we need the ability to carry blood transfusion products, which you know are not readily available. So unfortunately, it can be really expensive. What other financial tips do you have where pet owners can potentially save money? Well, there are some, you know, other resources that you can lean into if you need to. So one of the things that we recommend is when we get in those sort of pinches, you know, that last minute, we don't have the money is a product called Care Credit. Uh, so it's a uh, like a credit card for medical services. It's very popular with human dentists, but veterinarians are also included in this. So doctors, dentists and veterinarians. So that's like a product that you may want to consider that could give you sort of that emergency funding if you needed it. I think also don't be afraid to ask around for animal charity. So if there's, you know, again, if you're caught in this situation and you would qualify for need, then don't hesitate to ask your veterinarian and say, are there charitable organizations that I could contact for a grant or aid or something like that? I know we work closely and I'm sure you do too, Justine, with, with several good groups that try to help people with assistance whenever possible. And then finally, you know, you may have to to ask your friends and family for help. I mean, you know, it's just, it's one of those things we don't like to talk about, but when we're looking at these things, you know, if you can't prevent it and if you didn't take good measures ahead of time, then you may be forced to do this. So, but don't hesitate to, you know, ask, ask your family and friends because most people are really understanding when it comes to this. This is a, a highly emotional issue. You know, there's a lot of tension around it. And I think that as pet owners, pet lovers, as veterinary professionals, it's something we need to be having an open conversation. And that's why I appreciate you talking about this, Justine, because we do need to think about these things ahead of time because during the heat of the moment, that's when we sometimes feel like we made the wrong decision or we were forced to do something that we aren't comfortable with later. So it's really important to prepare yourself ahead of time. Again, it's much easier to do this well in advance. Talk about insurance today. Talk to your veterinarian about what kind of organizations or charities are possibly available if you ever need that. You know, and then select a breed, you know, feed appropriately. I mean, those are the steps you should be taking right now to help avoid these sort of dilemmas. Awesome information, Dr. Ward. The one thing I would add is I see a lot of people doing crowdfunding or crowdsource funding like Kickstarter or things like that. And the hard thing is you're not going to raise the money fast enough. So typically in the emergency room, you need to leave a deposit at that time. And so while that could be a good avenue, just realize that it is not a timely way of being able to treat in an emergency. The other important thing to realize is that now you're, you have a tax burden. You're going to get a 1099 for that money that you raised. So you have to be aware of that. More importantly, I always tell people you want to make sure that you're keeping your pet healthy with preventative care. We actually have a limited source that's a bunch of donations that we've had a lot of clients donate. And so once in a while, we're able to utilize some of that money towards some of our clients. But one of our specific rules is if it was a preventative disease, then they do not qualify for that fund. One of the classic emergencies I see a lot is parvovirus. Mm -hmm. 
this is a disease that is 99% preventable by vaccine. And this is like you getting cholera nowadays. It's super, super rare. But if you don't vaccinate your puppy, you're going to get it or your dog's going to get it. So really important to realize that pet owners have to be responsible and make sure their pet's up to date, that they're aware and talking to their veterinarian about what procedures or pet needs. I oftentimes will see something like a dog that has a severe uterus infection. They have a uterine infection that's full of E. coli, the bacteria, and that's life-threatening. But that $5,000 surgery could have been prevented if the dog was spayed at a younger age. So again, talk to your veterinarian about it, but we want you to become the best pet advocates to keep your dog and cat healthy. Yeah, and Justine, too, just uh, as we close up here, the reality is veterinary medicine is still the best bargain on the block. I mean, you know, here we are talking about extraordinary chemotherapy and radical surgeries and, you know, amazing therapeutics, and they're still only costing in the thousands of dollars at the very, very most, whereas in humans, you know, that could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it's still a bargain. While we wish everything could be free, but the reality is it's going to have to cost something. I mean, it, it's expensive to run clinics like ours, but the reality is, you know, it's still a good value. And I want you to make sure that you're preparing and planning ahead of time because most of those big bills can be avoided for most pets. Awesome information. Really appreciate it, Dr. Ward. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. Please check out Dr. Ernie Ward's website at www.drernieward.com. And if you're interested in how you can keep your pet healthier, you can also go to his site, Association for Pet Obesity Prevention. Dr. Ward, do you mind just mentioning your book that you wrote also? Yeah, you bet. Uh, several years ago, I wrote a book on obesity and nutrition called Chow Hounds. It's available at Barnes and Nobles and Amazon.com. And certainly, uh, again, if you want more information on pet obesity, just go to petobesityprevention.org. We are a registered nonprofit. We're not affiliated with any companies. I mean, this is really a grassroots effort by some very, very passionate and committed veterinarians to help you make better nutritional decisions for your pet. Thank you so much. Now, for those of you guys, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at Dr. Justine at PetLifeRadio.com or you can find me at DrJustineLee.com at Facebook at DrJustineLee or anywhere on the internet on Twitter too. With that, we're out of time and we wanted to thank Dr. Ernie Ward and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.